Yes, it's so intriguing to Sal and I that, oh, I'll get you in a minute, that it's the Comore Islands. In 1974, I think, uh, Sally and I, thank you so much, Sally and I were missionaries in Kenya when the Comore Islands got their independence. Uh, Philip was three years old, so we got to figure out whatever that was. So F Sally and I and Phil and our daughter were the first people into the Comores after independence. And we actually restarted their main hospital. Um, the there was a doctor, a nurse, and an anesthesiologist went with us. And we actually spent f almost four months there getting their hospital up and going and all. And it's one of those times you invest and you have no idea that it's going to come back later on a return. But uh, we actually have incredible favor because of that. And uh, the Consular General of the Comores wants to speak to Sally and I about what we did um, all these years later. So it's just favor upon favor upon favor upon favor. It's very, very encouraging. So my job in 20 minutes is to do quite a lot. <laughs> and so I'm going to go straight into it. Last week, Christy gave an incredible word about the foundation for the gifts of the Spirit. And I really want to encourage everybody to listen to the recording from last week it's probably one of the best outline of the gifts I've ever heard in my life. It was just absolutely exceptional. Um, she did quote several things from me and several things from Wimba, but the way she put it together was extraordinary. And I'm not going to repeat any of that foundation. My job this week was to look at the second grouping of gifts, which is she looked at the revelation gifts and briefly talked about word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning spirits. My job this week was the gifts of speech, which basically is God's voice and to hear what God's saying into a situation. But as I prepared this week, the Lord honed it down to only one of the gifts. And that one gift is the gift of tongues. And so I want to spend my time this morning talking about the gift of tongues. I think we do a lot of teaching on the prophetic I mean, we, we witnessed the prophetic this morning, but actually across the board as charismatics, we actually don't teach on tongues very much. And so I want to I tackle that this morning in a, in a direct way. So you're staying with me up there, aren't you? Deb, you're so good up on that machine, keeping up with me. So we, we are going to go straight. Let me just talk about the, the tongues first. Um, just my definition is a spontaneous inspired utterance by the Holy Spirit where the normal voice organs are used, but the conscious pl mind plays no part except the will to do it. The languages spoken or, or sung are entirely unlearned by the hearer. Um, this is probably one of the places where charismatics and old-time Pentecostals kind of deviate just a little bit. Uh, Old-time Pentecostal, the tongues was called an ecstatic utterance. And basically that meant you, you 
make your tongue available, and then the Holy Spirit grabs your tongue and moves it. And so old-time Pentecostals would, would wait on the Holy Spirit doing something, and sometimes a very long time. The charismatic movement was actually birthed out of a teaching that Oral Roberts did about the prayer language. When he, he taught from the verse, they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. And he talked about the speaking actually being our own vocal cords, our own decision. I mean, you, you're, you don't know, the words don't come from you, but the will to speak comes from you. And that actually, it was that simple teaching that birthed the charismatic movement. And that became the foundation for that whole move of God. And so actually most Pentecostals now would agree with our position on this. There are very few that still hold the ecstatic utterance. Why is that important? Well, as we walk through this today, we're going we're gonna to see why this is important. I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. We're going to start here. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, and various kinds of tongues. I want you to grab a hold of that little phrase, various kinds of tongues. Um, one, one of the challenges when we teach on tongues is that there's quite a variety of what we understand that to be but they're all part of the same generic. They're part of the same thing, but the tongues manifest in different ways at different times in different people and in different situations. Um, in Scripture, we see lots of examples of these, and we're going to look at several of them. Um, I see at least five distinct ways, and I'm going to blow through the first four of these very quickly, and we'll come back later. You'll get the notes, but... Number one is tongues for evangelism. Um, in Acts, the miracle of Acts is that there are, and they were filled with the Spirit and began to speak with different languages as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak. Um, Acts, Acts 2.5 says that there were people there from every nation under heaven. So at least 10 language groups are gathered in Jerusalem. And every one of those language groups heard what the disciples were saying in their own language. That's a miracle. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I've had one small experience of that. But, I mean, the, the, for people to hear in a language that you don't know is quite extraordinary. We had Surprise Satoli here um, a couple years ago. And Surprise Satoli speaks at least 17 languages. I think it's more than that now. But at least 11 of those languages are sovereign. Notice he got the language in the moment that he needed it. His description of that is, I walk into a tribe that I don't know their language, and I begin to preach, and they hear me in their language while I'm speaking what is my language. But by the end of the week, he hears and speaks their language. Extraordinary gift. I remember when I was a cessationist. Oh, Lord, help me. I may be late today. I, I, I was a good cessationist, and my uncle took me to a charismatic meeting. It was a charismatic prayer meeting, and I was standing next to this lady. And this lady starts praying in Swahili, a language I grew up in. And it wasn't 
good Swahili, but it was, it was understandable Swahili. And I mean, it's incredible worship and praising God. And I mean, there's exaltation in this language. And so as soon as the prayer meeting is over, I grabbed her and said, where did you grow up? How did you know Swahili? Well, she didn't even know there was a language called Swahili. Um, but it was part of moving me out of a cessationist position into a belief I needed something for this brain to understand. Second way, second kind of tongues, and probably the mo- one that people know a lot, is that in 1 Corinthians 14, if anyone speaks in his tongue, it must be by two or three at the most, and each one in turn, so there's one to interpret. So tongues can be a message in the body. Uh, we don't have a lot of that. We could probably do with more of that. Um, it, it's, it's oftentimes been the only way it's experienced. And I want to experience all five of these ways as we walk through this. Um, I'm going to, Lord, help me go quickly through this. Number three, tongues of spiritual songs. Uh, what is the outcome? 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What's the outcome then? I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing in the spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. There's a, there's a kind of tongues that is just a, a worship singing to God that seems to be distinct from other kinds. Um, Paul talks in parallel passages in Ephesians and, and Colossians. He mentions three kinds of sp- singing, which are psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And uh, we understand that spiritual songs can be either in tongues or they can be prophetic. Both are, both equally fit into that spiritual songs part. This morning I had trouble because I knew I was going to do communion after the second song, but I couldn't figure out if the spiritual song we started with was the first song or the second song. And so it took me a while to figure out because sometimes we don't even realize what's happening. I remember when Sal and I, this is probably the second stage of our transition out of cessation. We were in our missionary internship and part of that internship was that they would take you and drop you off places that were designed to make you uncomfortable. And so uh, they dropped us off one night at a Jesus people house. We're almost certain that Ron and Vicki Price were actually in that house and part of the leadership of the house we were dropped off in. We, as far as we can tell, we, years later, we don't remember the names, but both Ron and I remember the occasion. They remember us being brought in. Um, quite incredible. But another place they took us was Ann Arbor, Michigan, and they dropped us off in a gymnasium of a Catholic university that was going through charismatic renewal. And we, were, we walked into this baseball stadium and hundreds of people, maybe, I don't know how many, maybe 1,000, I don't, 2,000, I don't know how many people were in there. It was packed stadium. Everybody in there was singing in tongues when we walked into the room. And we were both still cessationists, <laughs> but were hit with this wave of worship and presence, and it was just, it was life transforming. I, when I speak it, I'm back in that moment, in that room where this worship, this, this presence of God that was coming out of tongues being sung by hundreds of people at the same time, 
we need that. Number four, tongues for deeper intercession. We just talked about praying with our mind and praying with our spirit in that last verse. But Paul says to the Romans, the spirit helps our weakness for we don't know what to pray. Or, or oh, Steve, that last story messed me up. The Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's an entirely God-directed intercession that we need to be part of. The, the next step in my birth out of cessationism was that Sally got filled with the Spirit first. And uh, Sal stepped into a season of intercession that was absolutely remarkable. And I remember one night waking up, and I mean, she's making noises that I've never heard her make before. And she had woke up with the name of a person on her mind. That person was Stuart Briscoe. Um, some of you may know that name. A good friend of ours who was a supporter while we were in Africa. And uh, she just started interceding for Stuart Briscoe. And it, was, it went on for more than an hour, this deep groaning and praying for him and his family. And it just things kept coming to her. And, you know, this is the days before all the technology we have now. And the only option we had is she wrote Stuart a letter and said, on such and such a date, on such and such a time, this intercession hit me for you and for your family and particularly for your daughter. And I just want you to know, I prayed for over an hour and we just, I, I agonized for, for whatever it is you were going through. Well, we got a letter back a couple weeks later. He had been in, he was in South America with his daughter. They were out in a remote area and his daughter got deathly ill. The moment intercession hit Sally, was the moment his daughter got deathly ill. And the intercession broke when just by happenstance, a plane overflying that area, a small plane, landed at the airstrip where they had this girl and took her to the hospital and her life was spared. You can't, you can't do that in English, guys. Oh, my goodness, 10 minutes. Help me, Lord. Number five, this is the one I want to spend my time on today. And I've used, well, only half of it. We'll make it. Tongues for personal edification. The one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. This is one of the reasons as a body, our preference, which Paul actually states, our preference in message would be prophetic like we had this morning. There's an edification of the church that happens. But too often we take a verse like this and we dismiss tongues because this is more important. But I think that dismissal is, is completely in error because tongues is... This particular kind of tongues is unique because it's the only gift of the Spirit that is for you. All the other gifts are given to you for other people. But this one, this internal 
unique communion that God gives you, we would call it a prayer language. That's one of the most common ways we discuss it. Um, this kind of tongues is for you. It does something in you. The word edification that's used in, the, in that verse is the, the root of the or the, the translation is to build, but it's a particular kind of building. It's always used in the context of to rebuild, to restore, or to repair. So this kind of tongues that work in you rebuilds, restores, repairs. The prophetic word that came earlier about, you know, dealing with sin, the, the challenge we have is that we, we get caught in self-effort, but you have a gift inside of you that was designed to help you rebuild, restore, repair. You have a spirit in you that is designed to bring you back into the throne room so that we get our freedom from sin in the throne room and not from self-effort. Some of the prophetic words that came earlier. This particular gift of the spirit is not a mark that you're charismatic. This particular gift of the spirit is given to you to restore, to rebuild, to repair. A couple of the passages, and then I want to do something a little different. In chapter 14, verse 5, Paul makes this statement. Now, I would, would that you all spoke in tongues, but I'd rather if you prophesy. Again, what we do is we take the statement and we dismiss, I would that you spoke all spoke in tongues. We don't put it in its correct context. I believe Paul is referring to this internal life in the spirit that is growing inside you, but when you get into a public meeting, prophesy. That's how I interpret that verse. And I think instead of dismissing tongues, it actually strengthens the position of, I, would, I wish every believer had this restoring, repairing, healing work going on inside them as a motor of the Holy Spirit alive and working in us. Now, forgive me, I'm an engineer. Engineers like flowcharts. Just the way we are. So forgive me if I try to describe this next verse from a flowchart. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I don't think I put that one up there, did I? Yeah, I did. Good. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. When you pray in tongues, this isn't about what you're thinking. It's about something else going on inside you. So this is the way I view it. We understand that the soul of the person is made up of our mind, our will, and emotions, correct? Now, you can add imaginations, memories into that. There are other pieces we can add in, but essentially it's mind, will, and emotions. So in the middle of this is our will. And the challenge to most Christians and the challenge of self-effort is that your will is being bombarded with information from your mind, your thoughts, from your emotions, your feelings, 
and from the Spirit. And your will is trying to decide which of these three pieces of communication are we going to listen to. And so we get confused, we get in turmoil, we get uncertain what the voice of God is because we've got too many things. And this isn't broken, this is simply the way as human beings we respond. Now, to make it worse, go to the next slide. The enemy is a liar, he's a cheat, he's an accuser. But his power is the power to sow a thought or to sow a feeling. So my mind is susceptible to a thought from the enemy. It's susceptible to a thought from my history, from my flesh. And it's susceptible to a thought coming from the spirit. But I don't always know which it is. My emotions are the same way. Your emotions can be all over the place, from history, from trauma, from things you walk through. And then into that, the enemy sows an emotion, I don't belong here. Or lots of other lies that people are hearing in this time. And so your will is now trying to sort out not just these three things coming at it, but you've added in the enemy trying to destroy the life of that person. So what's the answer? Incredibly simple. Next picture. The answer is that by our will, we begin to communicate with the Spirit. Now your spirit is praying, your mind is unfruitful, but now there's a communication growing between your will and the Spirit. And the goal of a believer is that my will is surrendered to the Spirit. When Jesus is in the garden, his mind doesn't want to do what he has to do. His emotions don't want to go through what he's going through. But his statement is, not my will, but yours. He's surrendering his will to the will of the Spirit. That's when we begin to live in victory. And the most exciting part is the more you pray in tongues, the stronger that connection gets. And something absolutely profound happens. Put the next picture up. Can you see that the direction of the arrows has changed? And instead of your mind speaking to your will, your will is speaking to your mind. Now you can take your thoughts captive in obedience to Christ. Now you can speak to your emotions and say, shut up. I will not live in fear. I will not live in the history of these things. And so our ability to live free is birthed from a fellowship with the Spirit that roots in praying in tongues. This is not just a slightly messy form of prophecy. This is the lifeblood of a believer. This is how we live free. I remember, help me, Lloyd. No more stories. One more. I remember just after I encountered somebody 
I think it was one of the first people I encountered that said he prayed in tongues. He, he worked at a plant. It was an Eastman Kodak plant. And his job was every hour, all night long, he would walk through a room full of meter, dials and meters, and he would write down the numbers on each event to a book. And then for the rest of the 50 minutes, he had nothing to do but sit. So he de developed the discipline of every night, all night long, praying 50 minutes every hour in tongues. He was the most transformed human being I had met up to that time. And then I met Marlene, who does this all day long. If you've ever been to the flower shop, That's not, that's not pretend. That's life. That's life in the spirit. That's a will so surrendered to the spirit that nothing else can taint. No voice of the enemy has power over that will because immediately you catch the lie. There's no more desire to overcome sin yourself. You simply get in the presence. Guys, this is important for us. When I finally surrendered to the Holy Spirit after a number of encounters, I begged God. I begged him to not give me tongues. God, you can give me all the other gifts but don't give me tongues. And over the next couple of months, I literally did use every other gift. I interpreted tongues, all the other gifts I used, but I didn't speak in tongues. And one day I got in the word and gave up. Something happens in here when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us that way. I'm out of time. Ministry team, would you come up? I wanted to do communion early today because if you want to develop that prayer language part of tongues, if you're hungry for that internal life of the Spirit that will captivate your heart and that will shift your will and will break you free from the things that have held you captive. I want us this morning to not leave till you get prayer for that. Um, there may be an issue. I, I really appreciate what, I forgot what, who brought what word this morning, but you know, if there's a sin issue blocking you from this, come and let these guys pray for you. It's a great place to come and say, hey, help me. Pray this through with me. I need to get free of this besetting sin that's holding me captive. I, I just I feel like it's keeping me from the presence in the way I want to live. If that's you this morning, we want to walk in freedom. So let's stand up together. And uh, I just felt like there was going to be a real renewal. And I was... I was so excited by the prophetic that came because all the prophetic actually set us up for what I was sharing today. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come with genuine conviction. Would you touch our hearts?
with a desire to go further and deeper than we've ever gone. If we've struggled to figure out how to speak in tongues, Father, break us out of that this morning. For some of us, we had an experience where we spoke in tongues and it was called the baptism of the Spirit and probably was. But we haven't developed the ability to use that gift in our personal life. I actually find, I know Sally finds the same, that these different kinds of tongues I talked about, when we're in intercession, we find a particular language coming out that we, it's different than other languages we use. And there's a particular sound that comes to me. I know that's a public message in tongues I'm going to give. But most of the time, it's just I don't have to think about it. I don't have to translate it. I don't have to figure out what's being said. It's my will connecting to the Spirit so deeply that I fully surrender to His purpose and plan no matter what costs me. So if you're hungry for that this morning, would you just come out of your seat right now and down the front? We want to pray with you. We want to free up that prayer language in you so that you can operate in this in a greater and greater measure. So Holy Spirit, just come. Move among us now. And we pray that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. 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 I believe there's several in this room that are hungry for tongues to become a habit of your life. For tongues to be more central in the way you live and pray and worship. Just come quickly. There's breakthrough for you. There's more available this morning. Just come and allow the Holy Spirit to work that into your being. Work that into your life. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Too many years we've believed a very limited value for tongues. And in this next season of our life and this next season of the body of Christ, there's going to be increasing value on this gift, increasing value on what God has available for us. So Holy Spirit, come. 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 Holy Spirit, come.
Dan just feels like that there's a fear of the unknown that needs to be broken. Sometimes when we don't know what we don't know, we don't know what we don't know. And we've not experienced what we don't know. It can feel very out of reach. So if that's you, and if you felt a fear of the unknown, a fear of that part of life in the spirit, I want to pray with you right now. If you just put your hand on your heart, I want to pray with you. Father, we just break fear right now off the body of Christ. There's nothing in your Holy Spirit to fear. There's nothing in your presence to fear. There's nothing in who you are to fear. And we celebrate you this morning. And we break fear of this next season, of this next move, of this next intimacy, of this next fellowship, of this next season of living in throne room living. We break that off the body of Christ now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If that's you, just come quickly and get prayer down here. We'll get more teams if we need to. I don't want to be much longer. I can't believe I compressed an hour into that much time, but I think I almost succeeded. Go for it. I just felt dumb God say to come and share some testimony. A couple months ago, Pastor Phil gave a testimony about how he woke up one morning and he felt sick, and he felt the Lord tell him just to pray in tongues for a half hour. And he said on the 31-minute mark that was what was coming on him came off like an itchy wool sweater. And so I started um, applying that to my life because I'll pray in, in tongues and my, my prayer language when I feel like something's coming against me. But I'll be honest, I wasn't persevering for a half hour in it. And so I started doing that. And I've experienced those things. I've experienced sickness trying to come on me and it leaves i i pray in tongues at night when i go to bed and i sleep better um so i'm just sharing really briefly because i know we're going longer but just as an encouragement that there's things changing in my life and pastor steve even and said it with the things that are going on in our world i can't imagine not having my prayer language in the world that we live in today. So, That's good. Just come on forward. That's good. Okay, she convinced me to do one more thing. Come on. Would you put that last slide up for me, Debbie? This is for fun. There's a gentleman, he's actually a very well-respected psychiatrist who does a lot of research on the brain and brain activity. And he spent some time at ORU and while he was there, he decided to look at brain activity and extended praying in tongues. And the, the study, if you ever look the study up, he actually combined two things in the study, extended praying in tongues and laughter because laughter was just starting to happen when he did this. And what he found that extended praying in tongues and laughter actually activated a part of the brain called the hypothalamus. And it's like that smart button in the middle of us, just at the top of our brainstem, 
that controls all of the systems that we don't think about. And what he discovered is that extended praying in tongues actually excited that part of the brain. And so what he discovered was that the entire autotomic nervous system, the control of blood pressure, the control of breathing, was all improved when somebody prayed in tongues for extended periods of time or when they laughed for extended periods of time. He found that the pituitary gland, the whole endocrine system, need the medicals to tell me what that does. Where's my... Come on, Steve. I know I have it here. Here it is. Endocrine, your growth, your metabolism. How many of you struggle to keep your metabolism where it belongs? I have a sneaky suspicion one of the keys is praying in tongues. That's me. Just, that's extra. The immune system is controlled by the hypothalamus. And he measured as much as a 35 to 40% increase in immune response, which is what she was just talking about here when she's praying in tongues, when something starts coming against her, you actually increase your immune response. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I told you this is just for fun. The third, the fourth one was fascinating to me. It's the productions of endorphins and Ekephalins, I think is how it's pronounced, Ekephalin, something like that. What he found is that the increase of endorphins and Ekephalins was similar to what a long-distance runner gets in their second wind. Guys, this is bigger than just a spiritual exercise. Now, I want to see some double-blind studies. I'm an engineer. I want to see more in-depth research on this. But there's, this is a single study I'm sharing. Please hear that. But I think it's opening something up that is so incredibly exciting. That part of your wholeness Guys, come on, pray in tongues. What was the 30 minutes you were talking about? Start with 30 minutes. If this body prayed 30 minutes a day in tongues, no, this group of people, just you here, if we prayed in tongues 30 minutes a day as a regular part of our discipline, Father, thank you for being with us. We celebrate you. We celebrate your word. We celebrate your spirit. Father, help us to figure out how to make this a part of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you haven't picked up your kids, go pick them up.